For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, Chartered Professional Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Good evening. Welcome to today's Entrepreneur, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with FL Montreal's Josh Miller. Good evening, Josh. Hello, Dan. And nice to be back on today's Entrepreneur. This Welcome evening. back. Thank you. Uh, it's nice to be back. And uh, this evening, we're going to chat with Sandra Reich, as she is with the Montreal Centre for Anxiety and Depression, and a very interesting business. And uh, later in the program, we'll bring in HR specialist Micheline Mayette on the uh, mental health challenges in the workplace and uh, how uh, people like Sandra can help. There, you know, today it's uh, it's certainly, I don't know if it's more prevalent, but I think there's more awareness around it. And I think employers really need to face or, or be ready for it and be ready to handle it head on. So uh, we're going to chat about that later in the program. For sure. We'll talk about the Bell Let's Talk campaign, uh, I'm assuming as well, which has helped advance that conversation. So how all of this impacts the workplace and uh, Sandra as an entrepreneur uh, on the program this evening. First, uh, we'll get to some news and notes in a second. But as usual, our entrepreneurial question of the week and, and myself as a fairly new entrepreneur. So I like to once in a while bring up issues that I think people can be interested about. And this one, I guess, is is very is more unique to me, but it's something that I have been curious about for a while, and that is politics. So I have these two sides of me, right? It's on the business side where I'm not political at all, and then the stuff I do on CJD and all the political stuff. And I've noticed that once in a while, I'll go into a pitch meeting and someone will say, I didn't like your opinion when you said that thing a while ago. And sometimes I just don't know how to how to handle that. And it comes from both the left and right. Do you notice that the business community is in Montreal tends to be more right wing, uh, or or is it kind of evenly distributed? And is that something to watch out for if you're an entrepreneur who's also political? Uh, you know, it's uh, it, it really comes down to and it, right wing, left wing, and I, I think there's there's so many people that are in the middle or don't even understand what right and left are. Mm-hmm. You know, and every day could be a different wing. I'm among them, by the way. And, and, and listen, I, I have my left and right and middle moments as well. Uh, probably most people do. People, business people, entrepreneurs want to do business with people that they can associate with, with people that, they, that fit with their character. So if you happen to be on the left on a day where your customer is on the right, <laughs> you might not continue that conversation. Yeah. However, if you happen to be both in the middle or both on the right or both on the left on any given day, well, then they're go- they're going to like what you have to say. They're going to be on the same page as you. They're going to want to do business with you. It's almost as if, you know, and I've, I've had many conversations with clients where, uh, you know, we have common hobbies or, you know, we both like to do the same things, whether it's travel or gamble I shouldn't say that on air too late or what have you and when you find that that connection you you're really it almost doesn't matter right left or other you find that aspect if you happen to be politically on the same page well maybe all the better you know I, I can't tell you how many conversations first of all I stay away from Trump conversations because <laughs> you just never, you know, never know you never know with business people what's what they're going to react or how they're going to react because a lot of them, you know, say, "Well, God, the man is crazy." But you have a lot of business people that say, "Well, he's bringing down taxes. Yeah, my stock he's portfolio is doing pretty well." So. Exactly. So, <laughs> so I, I really try and avoid that because I, you know, I, I have my own opinions and don't want to piss anybody off. 
that that said, it's it's really about characters, really about fit, left, right, or otherwise. And people change their socks. People change their, mm-hmm. their left and right, like they change their socks sometimes. Right, I'll keep sitting on the fence for now. Thank you, Josh. Um, some entrepreneurial news and notes now. Uh, Juliette et Chocolat has been a local chain for a while, and they are expanding in a big way. They have been around uh, 15 years now. I believe they opened in 2003. And, you know, for them, you know, the location, 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 like all or most retailers, they have eight locations. They have their their manufacturing hub in the South Shore. And they've received, based on the article, they get calls all the time to franchise. They weren't ready. So some some of it, and then now, now apparently they're ready. But they're ready to the point of now they'll consider it. And it's all about location. They're going to go into into Ontario, outside of Quebec, and they're going to look at location. So really the moral of the story, the moral of this article is, you know, where do you want to expand to? And can you control the location? If you are so good at figuring out locations, because since 2003, Juliette and Chocolat, that have opened up eight locations, have not closed a single location. They have remained in their locations and operated. So they seem to understand that location concept pretty well. They're going to apply that to other areas across Canada, starting in Ontario, and it's going to, but it's going to take time. And as per the article, they know it'll take time, and they're not rushing into it. They just want the right place in the right area. Now, what it doesn't talk about is how to actually find that franchisee and make sure it's the right fit and connection and that they'll, they'll really carry and promote your brand uh, the way they have to. That's a whole other aspect that's, I would say, even harder than finding a location. Well, good luck to them. I know Torontonians love their desserts, so I'm sure they'll do very well there. Um, this type of business is interesting to me because a lot of businesses rely on uh, intangibles, you know, the weather and things that come up. Uh, if your business is relying on the uh, Montreal Canadiens' performance, um, you may have had a, a pretty bad few years. And it's 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 really it's the article is about specifically about the Habs and and you know if they're doing really crappy you know you know are you a restaurant are you a a sports merchandise company are you within a few blocks of the Bell Center that business is just not as good as it used to be uh, you know certainly not in years that they did well but really the the, the gist of the, of the of the discussion just that I want to make is that you shouldn't necessarily always rely on aspects that are outside your control. If your business model relies on the weather, relies on sports teams doing well, relies on the mood of your spouse on any given day, you know, things that are outside of your control, if you can't find some aspect that is within your control, then you are basically rolling the dice and you better have a lot of money to go. You might as well go gamble somewhere, go take it to the ponies, uh, because it, 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 it really could hit or miss feast or famine. So, but if you, if you do have something that is relying on something that's out of your control, find the items that you can control. If you're a restaurant, you can control what the haves are doing well if you're going to increase business, but you can control your food. You can control your service. You can control what play, what other sports might be attractive or what other things on the television might be attractive that can, uh, that can bring people into the door. So don't, Really, the the moral of this story is you rely on factors that are outside your control. You might as well go to the casino, take the dice, and roll them. So, if you if you were talking to a business owner who was reliant on on the Habs, for example, to fill up their spot, you know, what would you say to them? Would you say, you know, maybe diversify, maybe get into I don't know, stand up comedy or chicken wings? <laughs> 
I think it depends on the type of business. If you're a restaurant, you know, I would say make sure your food is top notch, as top as you can make it. Make sure your service is excellent. Make sure you, if you're going to have screens to to broadcast the game and they're not doing so well, well, turn the screens onto something else, uh, or you know, have something else on that that will attract a different. Maybe you'll have a great curling match that uh, that will bring uh, Andrew Carter because you know it's his his love of life. So find something there. If you are a merchandise, if you're selling sports merchandise. Well, then maybe you carry other lines of items or you carry other aspects that w- that could fill your store and, and bring it in. Uh, maybe you maybe you have, you know, take a page from your book, Dan. Maybe you do a campaign that that says, you know, that talks about, well, Canadians are doing so great, but these are great teams or come mm. see us for these uh, these rivals, you know, or, or what have you. Because you still have, even though the Habs might not be doing well, they still sell, sell out all the time. And when visiting team comes... The visitors do come. So if you want to sell merchandise that's maybe the visiting team because that's what's going to attract it, maybe that's a better play. Who knows in any given circumstance, but don't always rely on that one thing. One bar that did well in that respect, I recall, was Chez Serge, who became, like I guess, the official bar for P.K. Subban, and they had this Nashville theme on the outside of their bar like that's kind of, that kind of example the article this this article that talks about sports merchandise uh sports crescent was selling better their the pk Subban nashville predator jerseys than uh, than other habs items so absolutely diversify diversify smartly but yeah diversify all right we'll save this one for next week three questions you need to ask before starting a business that's an interesting one we'll uh, put a pin in that and we'll get to uh, sandra reach of the montreal center for anxiety and depression coming up next on today's entrepreneur professional advice with a personal touch consult fl fuller landau chartered professional accountants and business advisors click on flmontreal.com welcome back to today's entrepreneur inspiring stories from outstanding business people dan delmar and fl montreal's josh miller with you and this evening we're going to have a chat with sandra reese she is with the montreal center for anxiety and depression Welcome back to CJD, Sandra. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. So, the, I mean, the name of your business is pretty self-explanatory, but what is the, the Montreal Center for Anxiety and Depression? Well, it's really a clinic specializing in anxiety and depression. Um, you know, even when I came up with the idea of naming the clinic, I really wanted to make it clear what we deal with because when you have anxiety or depression, you need a specialist. Funny thing is a lot of people thought no one would walk in the door and actually people know what they're going into when they come into the center because of the name. Did you ever get anybody asking you, hey, can you just shorten the name? We just yes. need an acronym. Yes. You know, it's just easier that way. Well, writing checks is a bit of a problem, right? It's a <laughs> long, long name. So yeah, we got a lot of flack at the beginning. Um, we do actually refer to the company often as, as the MCAD. So that works for people. But again, it's really worked to people's advantage that if you have anxiety, you want to know you're going to a place that treats anxiety and depression. And they are flip sides of the same thing. Now, how long ago? did this start? Really, the the company started about 11 years ago. Uh, we opened, uh, really brought everything together into a main office seven years ago. And where did this start? Were you, were you a therapist before? Like, how did this idea come about? What is your background? 
Well, yeah, it's an interesting background. I was a therapist before, and even before that, while I was in school, I was bartending. So I... Well, the, the first natural psychologist yeah. is bartender. <laughs> My real degree, I really say, came from those bartending years. I started as a part-time job, and to my surprise, I ended up bartending for close to 22 years, like almost my entire adult life. So that was a real education from a girl from Laval. I learned a lot there. I went back to school and became a therapist, and I went into private practice. Um, I did have a family member suffering from anxiety, so I was very interested in that area. Is that why you chose that specialty or that avenue? Unconsciously, possibly. Consciously, no. I just, I met the people I trained with who impressed me, happened to be specialists in that area. And also I was very interested in the area of psychology where people are directive, not just listening and going, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, I'm sorry to hear you're feeling that way. That is where I was drawn. And that field is called cognitive behavioral therapy, and it happens to be the treatment of choice for anxiety and depression. So it all just came together. So going back over a decade ago, this is before the Bell Let's Talk campaign, before yeah. we were having national conversations about anxiety in particular. Um, what did you see at the time? Did, did you did you see that, that in the next few years we, we would be talking more openly about anxiety? Because, I mean, I didn't even know really what the word meant a decade ago. Yeah, it's a really good point, actually. I don't know that I saw it, but I did know that it was all over the place. Everybody had a family member or a friend who was suffering from anxiety, and there was far too much stigma considering everyone was going through it. So in my private practice, I started started treating it using these modalities and using a bunch of modalities because in psychology you tend to learn one modality and I didn't believe in that so I used a bunch of them and it started to be quite magical people started getting better and that's where the idea of the center came to be now the center that means that there's a number of psychologists you yes. work with a with a team around you how, yeah. how many are you today we are 11 now very proud to say that was it hard to find people? The hardest. The hardest part of the whole business. Um, I started with three other, uh, sorry, four people originally, and I'm happy to say they're still with me. Uh, that wasn't too bad. But since then, finding people in this field who are really good at what they do is not as easy as it sounds. And also, you got to walk the walk if you're in the field of psychology. You can't just give advice. You have to actually follow it yourself. Not everyone does that. Is it, would you, as a psychologist... Is there parts of it that it's innate? Are you born that way? Like, do you, is it a learned ability? Like, what do you think? It's that's a great question, actually. I I think great therapists, psychotherapists, psychologists, social workers, counselors are born, not made. So I, that's why I like your question. Uh, but I think it's an ongoing thing. You have to have a good instinct about people. But for sure, you have to be comfortable looking at your own stuff too, because we all have stuff, and therapists are not above that by no means. And there's no question that you are a team. You know, it's it's one thing. You know, working alone as a therapist, and we were talking a little yeah. off air, is can be exhausting or is exhausting. Yeah. Uh, working Isolated. as a team, how does that help? How does that working as a team together help that that business that center ultimately the patient? Well, it's it's huge. So like you said, it's very isolating to be a therapist. As a matter of fact, it's very research that therapists tend to burn out very quickly because they're, you know, they at the end of the day, there's a sense that you're alone and you've given out so much to your client. So I wanted to build a team that was supportive of each other. So to come to your question, we look out for each other and we also do a lot of case conferencing. We discuss difficult cases. Sometimes we even, you know, humor is involved just to diffuse some of the stress of dealing with difficult situations. We do get some very difficult situations. So human resource, I mean, what, so what is your take on human resources on your team, team building? How do you keep everybody kind of the same page with the right culture, with the right attitude all the time? 
we meet. We have uh, we have meetings called rounds where we do a lot of psychoeducation, and during that time, there's also a psychological part of like connecting the team together and to make sure we're on the same page because there are protocols as well in the business as well as in the psychological aspect and keeping a warm environment, which was really part of my vision. I really wanted to create a family, and we really are a family. Now you've 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 grown over time. Mm-hmm. You are now, like you say, eleven eleven therapists. At what point? Do you decide to add a therapist? Is it do you, because you, you know you know that there's demand out there? Obviously, see we see what the Bell Talk as Dan said earlier. You know, some people aren't necessarily aware. But do you feel the dreams, build it, they will come, or do you like? What was your take on that? Uh, it's so funny you say that because build it, they will come is pretty much how the whole business has worked from the beginning. So I think it's a little bit like what you guys were talking about, about the Canadians and not relying solely on one. It's the same thing with a therapist. I didn't want to rely on just one or two therapists. So I want to have the, the what makes me choose someone else is to make, I want to feel that there's enough different types of personality because matching a client with a therapist is a little bit like blind dating. It really is because you, you meet a therapist, she or he may not be your cup of tea. So having different personalities and different specialties. And do you train them or do they come and trained? No, I definitely train them. And that comes back to your other question is making sure we're all on the same page. Is A big part of the business is being very ethical, being very, very professional and honorable, which is those things come up a lot in psychotherapy. Are you going to do the right thing? Because there's, there's a lot of murky areas. No, no doubt. Uh, psychology, it's dealing with your clients that, that need your help. And, uh, and there's, there's even, there's even more on the, on the team side and even resources. And I'm sure we'll explore that further shortly. And later in the show, from an HR perspective, we'll talk about mental health challenges in the workplace with Micheline Mayette of FL. That is on the way, plus more with Sandra Rich of the Montreal Center for Anxiety and Depression. Today's Entrepreneur on CJD 800. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, Chartered Professional Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Welcome back to Today's Entrepreneur, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with FL Montreal's Josh Miller. And our guest this evening is Sandra Rich of the Montreal Centre for Anxiety and Depression. In a little while, we'll speak to FLHR specialist Michelin Mayette on some of the mental health challenges uh, that we're talking about more these days in the workplace. But for now, Sandra, let's talk about uh, about HR a little bit, about people. What are you looking for in, uh, in an employee and, and what kind of uh, corporate culture have you fostered at the centre? Well, I'm certainly looking for someone who's gone through some difficult things in their own life because how can you relate to someone else going through difficult times if you haven't? So strangely, that is one of my questions when I interview someone. Have you been through some difficult times yourself? If they say no, not at all, it might be the end of the interview. So, And also someone who's honest about themselves and comfortable with what I like to call the good, the bad, and the ugly. So that's important. Of course, you need your educational background and a strong, strong background in ethics. As I mentioned before, there are very strict rules in psychology about ethics. What do you do if a parent calls wanting to have information on their child who's in therapy? There's strong rules about that. A lot of it, though, Dan, is gut. It's a gut feeling if the person has it or not. So with the knowledge that you have uh, with the knowledge that you have today, with you know, you know, get it, hiring your your colleagues, these the therapists, would you have done any anything differently over the years? 
Well, I mean, I think that I, I was lucky in a way because I just jumped in. I just had this idea of my private practice was going through the roof. People were getting better. So I said, okay, I'll open a center. I had no advice from anyone. I had no professionals guiding me whatsoever. And I just jumped into the pool. So, it, you know, I think I would consult with someone. And I also ended up opening a whole bunch of businesses at once. And I got very overwhelmed. So I would really do it a little bit slower with getting the right people to help me. I mean, I didn't even know how to do the accounting speaking to your fields. I didn't know anything about that. I just figured I'd open a business. It would all work out. And obviously I did hit the wall at one point. So now when you're, you ever think of giving up? I've definitely, I don't think about it anymore, but I had those moments. There were times where I felt also, I'm a very small, little successful business with small, but I felt people were coming after me and there was, there was like bad vibe. And I felt like that was it was hurting me, and I felt like I'm not sure that I'm tough enough for this. That was my fear. So let's switch gears a little bit. You're you're you open the center. You got to get people in the door. Yeah. What do you do to market yourself? Well, a lot of it was I'm very passionate about the topic. Anxiety and depression affect everyone's lives. Even if you don't have anxiety, you certainly have stress in your life, and anxiety comes into your relationships. It comes into how you raise your kids. So the number one way I marketed things was I talk about what I'm excited about, which is there's treatment. It gets better. We can help you. So I started talking and people started asking me to come speak places. And I went, I went to schools. I spoke on the radio. I spoke many places and I generally didn't say no to much. And the rest, also the name of the company helped and my reputation as somebody who helped people with anxiety and depression helped me build it. So you still do that today. You still kind of lecture or, or you and your team, of course. Yes. My team does a lot of it. I do a lot of, I speak all across Canada on the treatment of anxiety and depression. Again, trying to get the word out, and this is the most important part for me, that anxiety always gets better with treatment and almost always gets worse without. So people don't have to suffer. That's important to me. So, you know, you've heard of this doctor, Dr. Google, right? Oh, yeah. You, know, you heard of people self-diagnosing <laughs> yes. or self-treating. Yeah. Uh, how often do you see it? How do you, how do you handle that? Well, we see it all the time and people say, well, we've tried to, all the things on Google and they're not working. And we, you know, we just take a breath with them and we say that, like I said, with my business, I could have benefited from a specialist. We're here to be your specialist and guide you through this because anxiety is uncomfortable, but not dangerous. And we're going to show you how you can overcome this. Now, so when you're competing against Dr. Google, who is free, yes, but you do charge for your service. That we is do. Far, far more personalized. Yes. And, and of course, people, you know, will definitely get something out of it. How did you determine your pricing model, either the beginning or today? Was that difficult? Do you look at the competitors? You look at what you're offering? Another great question. Um, you know, I had a vision of the kind of service that we wanted to give. And I didn't really feel, I didn't know of anyone giving that service. So I did not look at my competitors. I wanted, and I still want every client to come in and never walk out and say, that wasn't worth every dime. So our prices are not low. I mean, we have many different prices and we have a reduced rate for people who can't afford our higher rates. But I wanted to be sure that they're going to get a very comprehensive service and someone who really cares who's going to help them through it. So that's how I did it. I built the service and the rest just sort of followed because it was very different than what was out on the market. So you're, you're really not looking at your competitors. You're building your own. I'm really not looking at my competitors, and I really think that that's the way to go. That's my view. I mean, I'm aware of them, but... Understood. And, of course, now, 
it all also flows or follows reputation. Yes. And reputation uh, in any industry, in any professional practice is key, but certainly in a psychology field when you're dealing with clients suffering from mental health problems, reputation is huge. How do you manage it? You cross your T's and dot your I's. I really am a strong believer. I talk about it to clients. I talk about it on the radio. I talk about it here. I'm being honorable. Mean what you say and say what you mean. And that's your reputation. When I say something, I'm going to keep to it. And I've trained my staff to do the same. So your reputation can be destroyed in 20 seconds. So we really, really all operate on that position to mean what you say and say what you mean. In a couple of minutes, we're going to talk more about anxiety in the workplace with our HR specialist. How common is this becoming? Uh, do you see this a lot, sort of workplace dilemmas uh, causing people great stress? Yeah, it's the it's actually I don't know. I don't know if it's the wave of now or the wave of the future, but maybe because we're all working so much and there's so much, again, technology, which we love technology, but technology is highly linked with anxiety. We're seeing a huge increase in the workplace and we're going in a lot of times to teach people how to reduce their stress. Now, speaking of working so much, uh, a few moments ago, you said, you know, it's not just one business, it's not just one center, but there there, there are several businesses that yeah. you kind of started and they were offshoots. Uh, tell us a little bit how that happened, but more importantly, how in the world do you balance it? Well, balance is, I think, for every entrepreneur, the biggest challenge. Um, it happens that the first one was that I was treating a lot of women, and they were falling into the same traps over and over again. So I built a company called Empowered Women Workshops, and we do retreats twice a year. Then anxiety in the workplace and anxiety for people who weren't able to come in for treatment, we decided to do a video series called Anxiety Videos. And then my specialty is couples. And so uh, we started doing couple retreats. The balance comes from those are not day-to-day -day operations, and I've had to take a little bit of a step back and make sure that there's not, I'm not getting overwhelmed by it, so there's not a retreat every week, so, and that way we can do it. I also have a radio show that allows people to stay in contact with me. So you've learned to adjust, uh, not necessarily cut back, but be smarter with your time. Yeah, that's it, exactly. I mean, the truth be told is until I cut back, I was on the highway to anxiety myself, no doubt. Anyone can be if you lose balance. No question. Thank you. There's so much more to talk about, but uh, we'll, uh, we've learned so much about you, Sandra, and the Montreal Centre for Anxiety uh, and Depression. Uh, thank you very much. Coming up next, uh, some tips specifically for the workplace from uh, Human Resources Specialist Michelle Mayette uh, on those mental health challenges at work. That is on the way. professional advice with a personal touch consult fl fuller landau chartered professional accountants and business advisors click on flmontreal.com inspiring stories from outstanding business people dan delmar and fl montreal's josh miller with you for today's entrepreneur and this evening we're chatting with sandra reach of the montreal center for anxiety and depression she has her one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur on the way and let's bring in fl human resources specialist michin mayette on some of those challenges we're discussing uh, on mental health in the workplace welcome back Michelin. hi dan <laughs> so josh huge issue now that we're talking about more and more in the media lately and uh work stresses people out it, work stresses people out technology mm -hmm. You know, certainly in a fast-paced environment, uh, business environment, all the time, uh, and I guess Michelin and, and you know Sandra's here as well. So you guys, I'm sure, will have your 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 competing thoughts or your really really concurrent thoughts. And that is, what should entrepreneur what should entrepreneurs what should employers really think about? How can they plan? How can they prepare? How can they handle or help their team 
with some mental health, anxiety, and depression issues. It's funny because it's not something that employers were talking about at all before, but I think the awareness around the issue is great. So you can really see an increased awareness. It's really something people are talking about a lot today. Um, and it is, I mean, there are factors in the workplace that obviously don't help, um, you know, people who, I mean, people are very different. So you could have two people in exactly the same work environment that will react very differently to it. But there are things that employers can do for sure. A lot of it's around the support um, you know, of course, there's a stigma that's attached to it. So just in, you know, the everyday kind of dialogue that's going on in the office, if if people see that, you know, the company's closed or there's a culture um, around not accepting people who can't uh, meet deadlines or work the hours or respond all the time very quickly, then right away, you're not really creating an environment, you know, that, that's that's going to help. So a lot of it's around the culture of the organization, uh, the training and coaching um, I, I the think, managers have. I think that's important because it's it's managers that are managing people that not everybody is equipped to handle, mm-hmm. you know, mentally equipped to handle some of these situations. So it's not only about the employer being open to handling it; it's also about training training the managers how to really how to really deal with it yeah a hundred percent so I mean you want you know you want to encourage people to show empathy to be there to support the employees so when um, an employee is going through something that's difficult they're gonna feel hopefully they'll feel more comfortable speaking to the manager so manager who they know is is open you know to discuss also somebody who's proactive so one thing you know I see a lot is people who go on um, on a leave of absence after there's been a conflict in the workplace that was unresolved. So sometimes if employers let things go, um, you know, a poor work environment, a bad climate, harassment situations, and um, that's obviously something that can definitely lead to, um, you know, leaves for mental illness. Sandra, you, you see this all the time. You certainly give uh, guidance and coach uh, some entrepreneurs, some employers. Are there certain, I guess, tell signs? Are there certain things that employers could look out for, little things that maybe you can enlighten? No doubt. Um, Changes in behavior, suddenly avoidance of things, showing up late to work, being distracted, maybe even more irritable, you know, having an emotional response or no emotional response. And these are things that you'd really have to keep an eye on. And like you said, the manager or the person in charge needs to have the training to know what to do in those situations. Now, there's also, you know, they could be gone. What if they, what about coming back from a sick leave, mm. you know, and, and how do, you know, mm. what, what can be done in those instances? It's delicate because obviously, you know, when somebody's been on a medical leave for whatever the reason it is confidential. So the diagnosis and everything, like whatever the reason for the leave was. Um, so obviously if the person's coming back, you know, ideally from a pro- like a progressive return. So, I mean, employers that will allow employ- an employee to come back progressively to their job, they're already creating winning conditions. But it's also to make sure that the manager's aware of, without necessarily getting into details of, of everything, but are there any limitations when they're coming back to work? Um, how can the manager support them? Uh, setting expectations also around the integration of the employee back into the work team. So sometimes it can be awkward just from the work team that they're coming back to. They know the person was gone. Everybody probably knows, you know, kind of why they were off. Um, but helping prepare the team as far as what is the person's role going to be? How many days are they coming back? What's going to be expected? How the other members of the team can help involve them in projects and that type of thing. So the whole preparation without necessarily breaching you know, confidentiality will help the person come back to an environment that's accepting. Sandra, yeah. do, you, do you believe that, that an office environment should be open and transparent 
Should it be totally based on the employee and say, you know what, it's up to you whether we talk about it or not or let people know? What's been your experience? I definitely think we have to talk to the employee about that and see what their comfort level is. Because if we're open and transparent and you're not comfortable with it, that could you know set someone way back. So that's a conversation we start with is, is the person comfortable discussing what's happened to them or not? And this can be done very slowly and transitionally. And then there's the, the you know the the leaders of of any company, if they're open about it, if they maybe some have some mental health issues, I would imagine it's probably great to lead by example. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, it's like what Sandra was saying before, even when she's recruiting for for therapists. You know, if you've lived through something yourself, then and and you share that fact, then. Um, obviously it makes it easier for an employee to go to their boss with something when they know that, you know, their life hasn't been always perfect either. So definitely showing that, you know, the human aspect, I guess, of of the workplace is super important. It changes the entire work environment. If people talk about the fact that we all have challenges and we all face mental health issues time to time in our lives. So creating an environment like that is creating a safe environment. You're definitely going to get a good result from your employees and they're more likely to be able to talk about their challenges, more likely to stay well. Very quickly, one word answer. Do you find that people with mental health issues are self-aware or not? Or can't be a one-word answer. <laughs> a lot of them are. A lot of them are. Not all of them are. A lot of them are. A lot of them don't know what to do about it. What is your thought? Um, if they're self-aware, well, I mean, sometimes, I mean, I guess it would just take a while sometimes for them to even know, I guess, what's wrong. So sometimes yeah. they might see a change in their own behavior and everything without necessarily know. knowing the reason. It's yeah. probably just not knowing what to do with it. Thanks very much. I know we can chat about this topic yeah. for a long time. But as we uh, approach uh, the last moment of, of the show, as we do each week, uh, I'll turn to you, Sandra Riche of the Montreal Centre for Anxiety and Depression, MCAD, and ask you, Sandra, <laughs> what would be your one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur? Well, my one piece of advice is, first of all, to stay true to your vision, what you start your company with, make sure you're staying with it as you go along, and also put yourself in the shoes of the client, your employees, your entire team. Look at it from their point of view as well and come back to your vision. Excellent. Thanks very much. And uh, thanks to Sandra Reich of the Montreal Center for Anxiety and Depression and as well to Mission Mayette, HR consultant at FL. And next week on the program, Josh, I guess we're moving from issues on the inside to issues on the outside. Uh, that's right. Uh, we have two doctors on the show next week that went from public to private practice. That should be interesting to hear about their jump. Dr. Monk and Dr. Steinberg on today's Entrepreneur Next Week. Don't forget you can check out past episodes, over nine years worth of profiles at flmontreal.com. Just click on the community section there and we'll see you next week. Have a good night.